Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. We know the character of the horrors. We know that they have the skills, they have the speed, they have everything. But if there's one thing they have to build on is, you know, keep engaging in that tackle and, you know, trying to win that dirty ball and trying to win as many turnovers as they can. And if, if they can build on that, Carl could be serious contenders this, this year. Hello and welcome to this week's Throne with me, Michael Verney. Will is away, but I'm joined by John Milan, Conor McKeown and Dunnock Boyle to go through all the weekend hurling and football action. Uh, we'll start off Dunnock straight away with, you know, you're a mead man, first and foremost. Uh, I'd say you're a happy man after yesterday's win. Another good Division 2 win, 4-8, 16 points against Clare. Yeah, and another day of goals, seven goals in two games now, and, and by all accounts could have been one or two more. So, yeah, very encouraging start um, under Colin O'Rourke. Um, I think yesterday seems it was a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde performance. They went nine points up twice, and kind of Clare brought their way back into the game. But overall, you'd have to be very happy. Um, I think maybe the only... Downside being the injury to uh, to Shane Walsh and Matt Costello had, had, had won as well during the week. And Colin O'Rourke made his feelings about the timing of the cigarettes and very clear. But unfortunately, I, there's no easy solution to any of that stuff. But no, a great, a great start for Mead and, and um, four points on the board in a division that's going to be really, really tight and very, very uh, important for Sam Maguire football. Um, they're in a great position after the first two rounds. Colm definitely didn't uh, leave his feelings any uh, behind anyway when he was talking about you know player burnout issues and things like that. I think it's kind of a bit of a it's a bit of a funny one. While I think he's right to raise it, um, you know maybe potentially he, he would have also been right to leave some of those players off or only bring some of those players in. So it's a it's a funny kind of one. Like the situation is as it is at the moment, and I yeah. suppose by talking he's trying to affect change. But uh, he's he's going to be missing a couple of players now over the coming weeks as a result of it. It seems to be, and it seems to be both hamstring injuries, which you'd which you'd guess are overuse injuries. And, and I know the point you're making. Maybe can can managers step in and protect their own players? But like it's so hard to know. It can go one or two ways. It can go. You look at David Clifford last week. He seemed to be playing every three or four days at this time last year with Sigerson with UL, and then playing most of matches with with Kerry at the weekend. Or it can go the way of Tommy Conroy, who played a national league match and then his knee went from him in a in a uh, in a Sigerson match um, as well. So it's very hard to know. But um, like I suppose county managers are always going to, going to see their side of the, the argument. You know they're going to see like you know why are these men playing so many games. So it's just it's just very very tricky. And I remember talking to Tomas O'Shea about this once, and he made the point. The way he put it was, he says, "Well, it's like this: we need about four or five more weeks in the year." So he reckoned that was the only way to solve it because just he said too many competitions, not enough time. And 
the more you look at it and as good as the split season is and all that, like no matter what way you do it, there's going to be someone unhappy, someone put out and we're just trying to do too much with too little time. And this is unfortunately a byproduct of that. Just quickly, Dunnick, it was obviously came out last Friday about Glenn, uh, you know, with, withdrawing their appeal. Is that the end of it now or is there still a bit of ambiguity as to whether, you know, that's it all done and dusted now? Well, I, I think the the you know the, that's the end of it as far as Glenn are concerned. There's probably a technicality, a rule book sort of thing that that isn't quite clear at this stage. And you know, have Glenn withdrawn their initial objection to the result? And if they have, then obviously the result on the field stands. Or have Glenn just withdrawn from the process as it stands? And don't forget that we're at a stage now where Crokes have to bring their their counter objection to the GEA and make their case. And then the GA make a ruling on it. So it's going to be very interesting to see if, if we knew exactly what Glenn had withdrawn from, we'd know what was going to happen next. But I, I'm sure that will come clear in the next couple of days. It's probably a good thing that the episode is, is more or less that it, it's over. Um, a huge amount of sympathy for both sides, huge amount of sympathy for Glenn, um, who probably maybe wanted to make a point and got the replay ordered. And maybe that's the point they made and then withdrew from the thing. You can't help but feel that as the, the days afterwards were a little bit soured for Crokes. It just had to be just the nature of it. You win in All-Ireland, then people are wondering what you do. They made a very hard and strong, fast move by saying that, by, by, the, the word on the street was that they had no interest in, in having a replay. So that as soon as they took that position, it meant it left Glenn in a very difficult position. It left the GA in a very difficult position. Um, and... It, it was it were to play. It had to play out from there. So I think for all sides, for the GA, for the two clubs involved, I think for everyone, the fact that it seems to be at a close now, in terms of we're, we're not going to see a replay, the fact that it seems to be at a close now, I think is a good thing overall. Yeah, it'll definitely go down as one of the biggest controversies in GA history, and I think we're probably all glad that at least the controversy isn't dragging on that little bit longer. But we're moving, uh, we're moving on to hurling league action, and we're delighted to be joined by Waterford legend John Milan. Talk quickly, John, about the, the game in Farfield yesterday. Uh, a draw at the end of the day between Dublin and Waterford. A fairly action-packed game. You finished with 13 men. What were your main takeaways from the game? Yeah, I went down to it. Uh, I suppose, look, for me, look, I suppose it was a typical first-round first game. You know, Davey tried out a few young fellas. Uh, likewise, did, did Michal Dono. Not for the new debutants on, on display. I suppose then he had to call on, on the big guns to, to kind of rescue the point in the end. What did I take from it? What did I learn from it? Um, probably the thing is, well, I was looking in from, from the outside, looking in was what way Waterford are going to go about it this year. Are they going to go with the extra man at the back, you know, like as Davey likes to do, uh, you know, in, in, in the past, as we've seen in the past with, with both Clare and Wexford and, you know, that was evident yesterday that they're, they're probably going to go that way with the extra man at the back. Now, for me, what I think what possibly will happen is that, you know, he will use a sweeper, but that sweeper might necessarily might be tied to Burke. What he did yesterday, he's used Jack Fagan. So Jack Fagan was the extra man at the, in, in the back line, the, the seventh man. But the instructions were for Jack to carry the ball you know, whenever he, whenever he got on the ball, so and a bit like when when you know when when Wexford when he when when Wexford played the extra man at the back, Kevin Foley was utilised as, as the as the spare man. So I think uh, Davy might alternate, you know, who who he who he who, who he deploys as as he's 
as his spare man. Um, but again, look, when they went down to 13 men, I suppose they they had to get everyone behind the ball uh, and they did extremely well to uh, to uh, to rescue to rescue a point. Um, I think he'd be a bit worried in, in regards, you know, I suppose it's, it's, it's hard to be critical of anyone, you know, so early in the league, but I think one thing Davey would be critical of, and he doesn't like to concede goals, and you know the three goals that conceded yesterday, he won't be he won't be pleased with. Considering that you know he had the extra cover at, at the back, um, so yeah, look, it's it's encouraging start. There was a big crowd down there, and I think look, I think it's 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 something to to uh, to build on for for Dave. You know, I think he'll he'll. He'll go all out for every game. I think he'll try to be he'll try to be competitive as he, as he can in, in in any of the games going forward for the next couple of weeks. He'll try and he'll try and give a couple of lads, you know, more opportunities. But uh, as I said, as I said to you uh, last week, Fernie, I think Davey will go out to win to win every to win every game. I think he'll have a right cut at the league for Dublin. I think uh, me all don't know. I think it's a case of trying to honour the few forwards. Um, Yesterday, I thought Alex Constantine thought he showed up very well. Was very impressed with Keno Sullivan before before he had to uh, go off. I mean, Donald Burke, the top top player, and him. So look, I think for me, I don't know if he can if he can build build on his forward division, try and unearth a few more players, get the likes of Sutcliffe back, try and get Ronan Hayes. You know, if he can start hit the heights of what we've seen before, um. You know, and try and build a, a forward division that's that's strong enough to go and compete for the rest of the league and into the Leinster round robin. I think that will be the main aim for for me, Hall Donahoe, because you know, missing Chris Crummy, missing Keno Callahan, Liam Rush, they're big, big losses. But the one thing is constant. Um, you know, Owen O'Donnell was Mister Consistent again. He was eight out of ten, nine out of ten. He was uh, brilliant yesterday. But yeah, look, all in all. Looks your typical first round of the league. Um, I think there was, a, there was a reasonable crowd there, but I don't think anyone from Waterford was, you know, raising their voices too loudly yesterday. You know, and I think the main the main goal for Waterford this year will be to, to try and finish in that top three in Munster. You know, but as I said, as we've seen in, in the past with Davy, he likes to build momentum through the league and bring it into the championship. So it'll be interesting how we, how how the rest of the league campaign plays out. But I think Davy, you know, I think he'll go for an awful lot of the games, and then you know he might uh, he might put up the handbrake come come around the semi final stage. You know, John, interesting there that you you adjusted. You reckon it mightn't be Tiger the Burker as the sweeper? That's you know he's probably one of the, when it comes to that particular role, he's one of the best in the business. What, what do you foresee him being then, or how, how do you see that working? I, I'm just going off of what my eyes seen yesterday, Donica, was that Jack Fagan, and, I, and I'm only going now, I'm only going off of, you know, the instructions that were given yesterday. And, you know, you go back to the template that Wexford played played with, uh, you know, Kevin Foley was an attacking, was an attacking sweeper, he's an attacking man at the back. And I just foresee maybe Davy. Saying to Ty the Burger, right, I'm going to get you to Mark. Now, there might be games where he might say, Look, Ty, you're going to go in as the spare man. I think, I think one thing that's that's going to be constant, and I think Waterford supporters just have to get it out of their head. And it's the way the game is evolving. And I don't think it's a case of Davey has to answer to anyone this time around in regards, you know, 
he's playing the extra man at the back and oh you know it's 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 poor to watch it's not poor to watch I think I think what he what he the way the way he played out with Wexford was that you know Kevin Foley was an attacking an attacking an attacking sweeper and I just foresee that whoever that man will be I think he'll be whoever he deploys as a spare man I think we'll have will will have to have legs, and I think I just seen Jack Fagan, Donna Chesty, who knows Austin Gleeson might win to that role, and um, someone like a Jack Pendergast might win to that role. He might, you know, he might kind of alternate who who he deploys into that role. But I just I I, I I'm looking into me Mystic Bowl here, and I, I foresee that Ty Deborke may not be the spare man if if Davy goes with the seven men at the back uh, this year. Mystic Milan. Um, Donica, just a quick one uh, on Michal Donoghue and the Dubs. It's a different proposition than he expected to take over, I'd imagine, when he was named. As John says there, down a lot of big names. Crummy, Rush, uh, Mark Schute, Reem McBride and a couple more as well. He has to unearth players and definitely in Alex Considine, Keno Sullivan anyway, were definitely two in attack yesterday. Um, but there's a lot of new, he's, we're going to have to see an awful lot of new faces and it's probably going to be a work in progress for a while. Yeah, they have an awful lot of ground to cover versus everyone else because you mentioned those pillars of the team are, are kind of gone. And and one of the things that has dogged Dublin, even when they had all those fellas, was they, they all, you always felt they were short of forward or maybe two. And, you know, we saw Liam Rush was reposted at various stages in his career. Um, you know, and, and they kept trying to find ways to make the pieces of the puzzle fit and they never really quite found it, I felt. And now he has to do, uh, Michal Dunham has to do all that without Liam Rush and Crummy and um, and the rest that you mentioned there. So he he has a lot to do. And I think you're right. I think maybe just a little bit of patience required there in terms of giving these lads time to get up to speed. Um, so maybe, you know, the, the league has this asterisk over it for everyone. You know, Waterford are the best example of that. Look at them last year and versus how their championship went. And I think we're going to be saying that a lot over the course of this Hurling League that we're going to be looking at and you're, you're you're just wondering, can you really believe your eyes with some of it? Like, is this actually what we're seeing? Whereabouts are in their training block? Look at Limerick last year. Like, was it? I think Offaly was their only win in the league last year, wasn't it? And then you know, Dora was still the still the the best team in the country by by a distance. So you know, everything we see, we're going to see is that real, isn't that? But I, I think for teams like Dublin, I think there's real value to be mined there for them in terms of finding out who to have, what to have, and who can step up. Um, there's a couple other teams in that boat. Maybe uh, uh, Waterford will have to find their 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 style on their Davy and find out who's going to play that cr- crucial role, as John pointed out. Uh, if that's the way to go, you know, for someone like Limerick, it's a very different thing. Corker on that Pat Ryan, so it makes sense that they, you know, would be hitting the ground running. He's been very vocal about what he expects for his term in charge. So it, it the league is going to be very strange, and I actually think it's going to come down to what each individual county wants, where they are in terms of their stage of development. And I, I think they'll, they'll treat it as such. So it'll vary from county to county, to be honest with you, I think. Uh, John, Dunica has probably teed me up for Limerick there. Uh, a, probably a brilliant first half performance on Saturday evening against Cork. A couple of big men went off. I think uh, Declan Hannan had a bit of a finger injury. Uh, Grode Hegarty, I think, was just rested, I think, from, from what I hear. Uh, Keen Lynch was obviously parachuted in with about 15 minutes to go. But a brilliant fight back, you'd have to say, from Cork. Um, it's hard, as Dunnick says, hard to know what to read into it. But they were eight down at the break and ended up winning a game that they looked like they were, you know, in serious trouble in. So you'd have to, Pat Ryan would have to be happy in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose there was a lot to, to like about Cork in uh, in that in that in that second half. Uh, 
particularly in how they engaged in the tackle in contrast to the, to the, to the, to the first half. You know, and that's probably one thing we've probably been critical of Cork over the years is that they haven't engaged in the tackle enough over the years. Um, for me, Kieran Joyce, to have a superstar in the make, and I think he's going he's gonna to fill our num- num- number three spot. And again, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's about trying to find a few players and maybe trying to find a few different players. You know, someone like, uh, I was very impressed by uh, this Brian Roach from, from Bride Rovers. He probably brings a, a, t- a different dynamic to uh, to Cork, hard-working player. Um, and, you know, reminds me of someone like, you know, go back to that great Cork team of, of the mid-90s, you know, where they were, they, where that team had everything. But one player who was probably an unsung hero of that team was probably possibly Timmy, Timmy McCarty for the work that he put in. Um, and I think, you know, Brian Roach probably falls into that category. You know, put in a massive amount of the work ethic. You know, I'd, I'd like to know that the miles he cracked up um, last Saturday night. I think he's probably one to to, to watch out for. Owen Downey was was uh, was impressive at uh, at full back. I think one thing that stands out with Cork is the embarrassment, the riches that they have when you take into consideration the players that they were missing Saturday night and the players that started and the players that came on. Um, and I think, look, look, the one the one disappointing thing, disappointing thing from, from Saturday night, from a car point of view, has to be the injury to Robbie, Robbie O'Flynn, possibly Cork's best forward. Um, and I think he'd be a massive, massive loss. Uh, hopefully, you know, the news, the news will be good in the next, the next, next couple of days, but if they were to be down him, you know, he's a big, big loss speed, strength, you know, strong in the air, he will be a big loss. But yeah, look, it's 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 encouraging for Cork. And look, I think Cork are probably one of possibly maybe three or four teams that might go after the league. You know, I would be thinking maybe Cork, uh, Tipperary under Lean Cattle, Kilkenny, I think Galway. And I think the fact that Cork have the first round of the round robin off, so that gives them a cushion of, of three weeks they may well go after after this league. Limerick, on the other hand, John Coyley going to be overly worried. I mean, look at the personnel that were down. Nicky Quaid, um, you know, Barry Barry Nash, Mike Casey, uh, I mean, Bo Chewett, Kyle Hayes. Willow I mean, Donoghue, yeah. Willow Donoghue, uh, Galan, you know, Dermot Burns. Uh, so, you know, Peter Casey. I mean, there's seven or eight players and it still took uh, a massive cork effort in the second half to, 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 to get over the line by by a point so yeah look I don't think John Kiley would be overly worried uh, and again I think probably cork are further down the line with, with their training but look it was it was encouraging for cork it was you know as I said it's it's something to build on um, and I think you know it'll be interesting to see how they get on up in Salt Hill next weekend but I think, you know, the one thing that they, they have to build on is, you know, keep engaging in that tackle, you know, keep flooding bodies, you know, into that middle third. And if you have to get hurt, you have to get hurt. And that's probably the one thing that, you know, we know the cork of the hurlers. We know that they have the skills, they have the speed, they have everything. But if there's one thing they have to build on is, you know, keep engaging in that tackle and, you know, trying to win that dirty ball and trying to win as many turnovers as they can. And if... If they if they can if they can if they can build on that, um, you know, 
Cork, Cork could be serious contenders this this year. I thought, I thought Pat was Pat Ryan's approach was interesting, Michael. That you know he came out and said straight up, if we don't win in Ireland in three years, it's a failure. And normally, intercounty managers, players across Irish sport, even they're allergic to making bold predictions and setting high bars and stating publicly what their goals are. Like it just doesn't happen. So it's a very interesting thing to do. And I, I don't know, maybe John can shed some light in it, but it may be, is he just trying to trying to set the bar high for his players? Is he trying to, you know, back themselves into a corner where they have to perform? But I thought it was a very interesting thing to do and a very sort of, very deliberate thing as well to, to, to come out and say that so so forcefully, particularly at a time when there's a team like Limerick around, like who are, you know, going to forge a reputation somewhere in the, the great team's pantheon, depending on how, how far to go on with this. But I, I just wonder what you thought of that, John. Like, it, it is a fairly bold thing to come out with. Yeah, well, look, I suppose, it, I mean, the way Pat Ryan is looking at it, you know, I mean, we can't forget that the Carl job, uh, you know, in, in, in Irish sport is is a massive, massive job, uh, you know, to be, to be given the opportunity, you know, to go in and, and fill that role over the course of the, the three years, you uh, you know, and he probably he's probably looking at the talent that that is there and that will be there for the next couple of years. And he sees that the talent is is very young, and he's probably also looking looking on and and looking at this Limerick juggernaut. And he's probably saying to himself that this juggernaut is not going to go on forever. Uh, you know, possibly will be strong favourites to do with a four in a row, might do with a five. So, yeah, and look when you look at all the other teams, you know. Why shouldn't he be saying to himself, "Well, why can't we win an All Ireland in the next three years?" And for me, I, I think I said it last year. I, I, I think they'll win an All Ireland in the next three to four three to four years. I don't see any reason why why they won't, because the talent is there. You know, I think the supporters, everyone be everyone's behind them. There seems to be, you know, a good feel good factor within 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 Cork at the, at the present moment of time. And that was evidence happening. You know, I mean, the attendance at the match, yeah, twenty thousand, was, uh, was 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 just incredible. So, yeah, I, I I see no reason why why he wouldn't why he won't make a statement of that. And you no, know, is he is he putting pressure on himself? I don't think so because at the end of the day, you know, Cork or Cork at the end of the day. I mean, I mean, what is it? Two thousand five since they last won an All Ireland. He probably says he probably saying to himself, three years. I mean, there was a time where Cork. If they went three years without an honour and three people asking questions. So he's probably going back to the old style of Cork and saying, look, I'm demanding an honour in the next three years. I think the spectators and the fans would nearly appreciate that type of uh, ambition, I'd say, rather than just saying, oh, you know, we're taking game by game or whatever. So I think it's kind of smart from his point of view. Dunnick, you just mentioned something there, even about 20,000 people that have been down in the park the other night. Uh, while we're not sure how meaningful some of the games are, the appetite uh, amongst supporters is absolutely massive for this hurling league. Six, seven months without action, you know, it's, it's another byproduct of the, of the split season. You know, even though there is massive question marks over the, you know, competitiveness of the, the league, and rightly so, I think you can you can say that fairly without being seen to run the thing down. But when you haven't had uh access to senior normally like you know in the old days as we'll call them you would have the first one to September and then you'd be back in in to Munster League or Walsh Cup or whatever in January. We're actually gone six, seven months there without anything. So I think yeah the appetite among people is absolutely massive. 
And I suppose too that the championship's just around the corner as well. You know, it's it's an awful lot. It's so closely linked now. The two the two games or the two competitions. Sorry, um, I think people are sort of like you know they can see the championship coming around the corner, and, and maybe that's what's getting them out. But I just think the big thing is the fact that we haven't seen any teams, haven't seen anything, haven't seen any action. No one really knows what's happening for for six months. Saw them playing club, of course, but. You know, I I think that really whets the appetite. And Cork, Limerick, great stadium. Um, you know, new manager, a few little factors feed into it. But I think you're seeing that nearly across the board, hurling and football, that there's just an appetite there for intercounty matches. Just in that, in the other two uh, Group A games, Clare had a pretty comprehensive win over Westmead. I think it was four twenty-seven to fourteen points. But we might have a little look at the other game in Group A, John. Uh, Galway had a commanding enough win, twenty-three points to fifteen over Wexford. Wexford probably dominated the play in the first half under the the Wexford Park lights, but uh, a fairly commanding display in that second half with the uh, Galway fellas. Yeah, I was actually down at that match. Um... I suppose the difference really was was, uh, and I think the lads touched on it on the league Sunday last night. You know, Wexford really have to find a, a free taker, and you know, if if Wexford had Evan Nyland, they possibly would have pushed on and, and won the game. They were very wasteful of, of an enormous uh, amount of they had an enormous amount of the play in in the first half, but they just couldn't register on, 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 the, on the scoreboard. Can I just ask you quickly on that, John? You had like one of the best free takers ever on your team, Paul Flynn. How satisfying is it from a teammate's point of view and from a manager's point of view to know that when the ball has been put down, you know, 99% of the time it's going to go over the bar and the odd time he might put a flyer into the top corner as well. Like, And from a Wexford point of view, they don't have that, you know, the percentages are just not the same when it comes to place balls compared to, you know, all the other All-Ireland contenders. Well, we had two of we we Paul Flynn and lucky enough when when Flynn retired we had, we had Kelly who was equally as as good you know Kelly was a nine out of ten free taker and when you had some when you had players like yourself pulling and dragging out of the likes of myself you know <laughs> I couldn't get you, close enough to, to pull yeah, you back you know, unfortunately <laughs> you, you, you knew in the back of your mind right if I if I win a free you know the likelihood it's going to be a score and you know for me if you know winning three or four frees was nearly like winning was nearly like scoring three or four points because you knew in the back of your mind that right well you, you celebrated those frees like you scored them anyway John well that's that's that's, 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 that's well, hey look I probably didn't get enough I probably didn't get enough credit Donica for amount of frees one over the years everyone goes on about the scoring stats but they never go on about uh, the amount of frees that a, that a player Assist, wins so yeah. so yeah but look and there's nothing there's nothing so frustrating if, if you're getting murdered Right, and you're getting killed to win a free, and then the free taker steps up and he misses the free. You know, it can it can it can deflate the team. So that's probably where Wexford are lying at the moment. You know, and probably on top of that, we're probably realizing now how important Lee Chin and Rory O'Connor are to, are to Wexford. You know, to be down those two players, they they are so important to him. Um, but again, look for me, I think probably a big plus from the weekend was was Charlie McGuckian. He played. He played very well. He's probably one one lad that can that can put his hand up. Uh, but again, look, it's 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 difficult. Look, it's the first game. You cannot be really critical of of, of any team from a Galway point of view. Uh, you know they kicked on in that second half. Uh, they were more efficient in 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 their play in the, in the second half, and they were full value for that for, for that win. And again, as I said, next weekend against Cork, you know second round. 
I think we'll, we'll, we'll find out an awful lot more about Galway and Cork in that fixture. This game obviously doubled up as uh, the Walsh Cup final as well because it was the same t- same two teams in it. Uh, it's Henry Shefflin's first piece of inter-county silverware. Donick, if there is to be like a bit of a bolter in the All-Ireland race, you'd imagine, you know, we talk about the strength and depth that Cork have and all the underage talent that they have. But Galway have similar riches. He was four All-Ireland minors in a row. It's just a matter of, I suppose, finding places, finding who are the best lads to come in in different places. But they still have, you know, the nucleus of a serious side and the nucleus of that 2017 All-Ireland winning team. Yeah, and and if you're being, at one stage, that would have been a criticism of Galway that they're still looking to a lot of those players from the 17 team. But I, I think you're right. I think there's a little bit of a mix there in terms of, you know, maybe a sharing of the responsibility. And, and you know, there was always going to be a little bit of a, I suppose hangover is the best way to put it from, from the post-Joe Canning era because it's such a big player and you have to find a way around, you know, how to go without. A bit like Donegal are doing with Michael Murphy at the minute. There's going to be, you know, it's just such a huge part of the thing. So, but I, I think they've got a, a nice mix there and a Galway are another team who can benefit from this league. I think they will have a good, long, hard look at what they have. Like I say, Henry, after last year, is a good idea what he has and he's a good idea what he needs. And I think over the next few matches, you'll see maybe a little bit more um, little bit more experimentation and see what he can dot in around that established core of players that he has. Another uh, manager that's definitely doing a bit of experimenting, John, is Derek Ling, obviously stepping into the those mighty big shoes uh, that Brian Cody filled for the, the last 24 seasons. Uh it was probably tough enough work up in Corrigan Park against Antrim. Ended up winning by six. Billy Drennan hit 1-8, I think 1-1 from play. He's definitely a player, John, that looks like you know, maybe it mightn't be this year that we see him you know, really lighting up a championship, but he's definitely a player that uh, could take a lot of the scoring load away from the likes of TJ Reid and even Owen Cody as well. Oh, I disagree with you. Why, why not this year? I mean, you, you, look, want, you look. actually wanted him in last year. Sorry, you actually wanted yeah, him in no, last I did. year. Yeah. And I, I was actually saying to myself, why... You know, I was a bit surprised why they didn't draft him in. I mean, you think of back in uh, 2012 when they won the All-Ireland. Remember, remember Walter Welch was only, was only 19 years of age and he was shooting the lights out with the under-20. And I said to myself, right, he could be a little uh, a joker in the pack here, like, you know, and uh, could be a little Trump card where he could throw out. And I was very surprised. But no, looking at him last night, I think this lad is, 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 is ready, you know. It looks, looks big, looks strong. Um, and again, going back to the league, I think throughout the course of the league, it's it's you know looking out for some of these players that you know who are going to put their hand up for championship. And, and I definitely think this lad is going to come is going to come into the mix for for uh, for, for Kilkenny. And look, uh, Corrigan Park, it's always a difficult place to go up to. I mean, Brian Lowen, you know, and uh, lost up there. Uh, Waterford, got a, you know, were very very lucky to, to rescue a, a draw up there last year. So. You know, that's an encouraging start for Derek Ling. It's, it's not an easy place to go to. But look, again, it's a, it's a nice fixture to look forward to this year or this week, this weekend. Tipperary coming to town. Liam Cattle, you know, will be very, very, uh, you know, very, very encouraged by his start Saturday night. You know, an early statement of intent to score 232. Uh, I think there was 57 scoring opportunities. And, uh, you know, a bit like Cork, Galway, we might find out a bit more about Tipperary and Kilkenny the weekend. That's the fixture to look forward to. Well, you're definitely teed up next weekend's action for us anyway, John. Thanks a million for joining us again.
Well, Verney, can I just say one thing that before we go without mention, I just think we have to mention it, is, is the college is hurling. I mean, Cashel Community School and your, uh, your, your own county, Offaly Colleges, a uh, remarkable achievement for, for, uh, for, for both to win the, the, the colleges. The Hardy Cup, first time it ever went back to, to Cashel Community School and uh, Moffley Colleges, you know, off the back of last year's defeat and in the minor Tipperary. I was actually listening to KCLR and listening to your chairman, Michael, Michael Dine, and being interviewed by Martin Quilty. And, you know, the emotion he was showing, you know, he had a, yeah, he actually had a, a loves me county moment, you know, in regards, you know, <laughs> he was actually welling up and going, you know, how much those players meant to him. And he could actually feel it, you know, in, in, in his voice, you know, how, how delighted he was for, 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 for those players after having the heartbreak of last year. So I don't think we can leave without uh, congratulating both those, both those uh, colleges uh, wins. Uh, fantastic. And it's a f- fantastic for, for both Cashel and, and Offaly Colleges. Or, Thanks a million, John. Good man. And as I never mind being interrupted if it's anything to do with an awfully success. <laughs> well, we're delighted to be joined by Connor McKeown of the Irish Independent. Connor, how are you? Good, Michael. How are you? Very good. Uh, Kerry uh, obviously had a bit of turbulence the opening weekend against Donegal. Fairly emphatic statement against Monaghan uh, yesterday. Paddy Clifford scored one of, you'd have to say, one of the great goals, particularly at this time of the year. Yeah, fair play to him for coming back so quickly. It's a... Uh... It's a pretty sharp turnaround and probably shows, um, you know, the hunger that's there in that Kerry team to kind of go on and do it again. Uh, they're not the sort of All-Ireland champions that you would have imagined struggling in a big way in this year's league. You know, they haven't put together four or five really long seasons. I'd say a lot of them are kind of, you know, I'd say a lot of them are very enthusiastic to get back at it. Just even looking at that team yesterday, like the back six, maybe Pat Warren was the only fairly newcomer to it. So it's a, it's a pretty settled side and, you know, Kerry are probably the only county around that can, you know, not have four of their starting six forwards and still put out the sort of firepower that they had yesterday. And, you know, you don't really want to get dragged into the angst of, you know, say the situation that Dublin were in last year, you know, where you lose your first couple of games and it becomes a bit of a story. And I think, you know, a home game against Monaghan um, was definitely one that they were going to target. And like even at this early stage, uh, you know, I think Monaghan and, and Donegal are probably the two counties that that look like they're going to uh, head for that direction down the bottom of the table. Uh, Donegal, from a Kerry point of view, the, like they don't necessarily need to unearth too many more forwards, but it looks like they have a few new names there. They're going to be options at least come summertime. Yeah, it certainly looked that way. Um, you know. I suppose second round of the league, you you don't get too carried away. But if you were looking for someone to put your hand up, they had that. Um, they, uh, I suppose, like the thing about the game was the asterisk over it is that it's a kind of a like that. This is not the Monaghan of old. I think that's sort of been widely acknowledged. This is not the Monaghan team that won a couple of Ulster titles and were consistently able to stick their finger in the eye of, of the, of the big counties. I think there's, it's acknowledged that there's a bit of a transition coming there. Um, you know, there's no Conor McManus, no Hughes brothers, uh, Jack McCarron picked up an injury against Armagh, it seems. Uh, and there's just a, a little bit of a, a transition coming there. So, um, I, I know Jack, Jack O'Connor will absolutely have that in the back of his head, but like you couldn't but be impressed by what they did. Now, Holly Clifford obviously opened the game up and seemed to bring it to to another level. But um, uh, no, I think I think uh, it's a very good day's work for um, 
for Kerry and Jack O'Connor. Like, you know, as Connor says, get two points on the board. Don't get don't give uh, anything any momentum in terms of looking over your shoulder instead of looking up. And uh, they can go on now into two weeks off and, and they can go again. Um, and all of this happening with, with the boy wonder, David Clifford, sitting in the stand. Yeah, as Connor said, there's not too many teams that could probably do that. Um, he spoke about good days' work for Kerry. Connor, it was a pretty bad day's work, you'd have to say, for Galway. Losing to their local Connacht rivals, Roscommon, by a point, and also potentially losing Dam- Damien Comer. We don't know how long that would be for, but it looks like a pretty serious knee injury. And if last, thing showed us, last year showed us anything, it's that they can't really afford to be without a player like him come summer. No, the, one of the one of the very obvious features about Galway last year when they got to the All Ireland final was how shallow their bench was. I think it was you know when they started in the first round of the championship, there might have been seven players on the bench who hadn't played a minute of championship football. So they're trying to build a squad, and the key to building a squad is to make sure that your main men are in the squad, um, and that the young players coming through have to put them under pressure. Um, now, what you would say is that, um, you know, with with Peter Cook coming back. Um, there's a there's definitely more of an option there up front, and Shane Walsh I think is currently away, um, celebrating his All Ireland club title for the second time in three weeks. Um, so he'll obviously have to come back, and the players they brought off the bench like Desi Keneally was brilliant last year for Mike Cullen. Ian Burke is back in the squad. Gallagher was brilliant last year, and I'm surprised we haven't seen Tom O'Cullhan yet. He's a player who really marked the card when he won an All Ireland Under Twenty Championship. Um, he didn't play a whole lot last year, but he's been in, I think he got a couple of goals against Mayo uh, in the FBD. And as a forward, stylistically, he's actually quite close to Damien Comer. And maybe that's what kind of has held him back. It's very hard to put two forwards of that style in the same team. Um, but like, there's no doubt that Comer, losing Comer for any extended period of time would be a disaster for Galway because he's the one forward that it's almost impossible to plan for. Like, I don't know what style of a defender is the one that suits him most because he could literally go to town in a number of ways. He's very, very mobile. He's really strong. He's hugely aggressive. Um, And he just takes so much heat that I think he opens up the sort of space. Like, he's the sort of forward that, you know, in, was it 2018 when Galway looked really good under Kevin Walsh and, and be carrying the championship where, you know, Ian Bork had a really good year because I think... Um, Comer took so much of the heat away um, and same with Shane Walsh so you know you don't know for definite but the, you know it, it didn't look good yesterday Yeah uh, Galway are on the back foot now obviously with their, their whole starting full forward line from last year's All-Ireland final out at the moment Walsh is away Rob Finnerty's injured and Comer's going to be on the sidelines as well they're on the back foot Dunica, but the Rossies are on the front foot um, Yeah, like they, ha- they have been a yo-yo team there's no point in saying any different you can glass it any way you like and Davey Burke says it's maybe unfair for them to be labelled like that but they are the facts of the matter they've gone up and down up and down they have themselves in a, an unbelievable position really at this stage two wins from two um, like they've never been in as good a position to try and retain their Division 1 status Yeah and, and no accident you can say at this stage either I covered the, the Roscommon Tyrone match and you know, Roscommon played their hand really well that day. Enda Smith coming off the bench had a hand in all three goals that they, against the win. They really turned that game on its head. But you couldn't help but leave that day and think, Jesus, to what extent did Tyrone blow that game? Um, but there was a very similar pattern um, again in 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 the game against Galway yesterday. In a difficult position, dug it out and won the match. Um, and that's twice in a week. And again, 
Um, they use their bench really well. So you'd have to say the Roscommon are in great shape. Um, and probably a lot of people would have been expecting to be down towards the bottom end. I know like you would have been expecting a huge reaction from Tyrone after the year they had last year, the first proper outing um, last weekend, but Roscommon took everything. So yeah, they're in great shape and they've proper depth as well in terms of their forwards. Like you know, Outside of the very top teams, I think Roscommon are probably the best uh, equipped in terms of having uh, having talent on the bench and fellas they can turn to. So, as I say, it was Ender Smith the last day and uh, Ben O'Carroll was probably the man of the match um, in in the Tyrone match, or, or certainly one of them. And uh, I think he came off the bench for them for yesterday with, yeah, I'm just looking at it here, come on, 47 minutes. So that's a proper level of options with Kieran and Jeremy Morton, the two Smiths. Like they've... they've they have serious, um, serious options to call on. on, on I think they've, I think they've a lot of variety as well. That's the other thing, you know. You find in certain counties that they might have a lot of good forwards, but a lot of them are pretty samey. Whereas with the Ross Common attack, like they, they really do give you a lot of different ways to do it. Um, like if you know Cox and and Smith, where if you run the ball from deep and they've a lot of pace in their half back line, they can kind of sit in the pocket and then you know take that wrap around that's become such a a common score that you see at inter-county level, but you, like you can kick it in directly as well. They, they, they'll give you that option too. Um, and like, it was obviously like Salt Hill, you know, I'd say if you went down through the, the history of league matches in Salt Hill in February, like the, the level of scoring would be so low because it's yeah. probably the pitch in Ireland that's so exposed to the elements. Um, but generally speaking, Roscommon will threaten you for a couple of goals. So I think they're a really interesting team because I think Davy Burke is a really interesting young manager. Um, like the, there are opportunities for teams like Roscommon. I like I, I would expect that Roscommon are slightly ahead of their kind of training schedule than maybe the teams that we'd consider to be the top four or five in Division One. Um, and I think that's a deliberate thing because, you know, if you go after these matches at the very, very start of the league and put yourself in a position where you've like they have four points on the board now from two losing positions in the last two weeks, they're effectively safe. You know, another draw will definitely do them. Um, another win will certainly do them. Um, and that changes the complexion of the entire season now for Roscommon because you do you like you, you have another relegation and whatever bounce that you get from the freshness of another manager, it evaporates like that. Whereas I think if you start off the league really well, even if, you know, the other teams catch up on you a bit and, and make you think twice about what you've done towards the end of the league, I just, you know, with, with the changeover so quickly now between the end of the league and the start of the championship, I, I just think it puts you in a different headspace. Um, and I think Ross Common are probably the team in the best headspace at the moment in Division 1. I think Frank Roach called it Rossi time. Um, they've I was just looking managed... at his player ratings yeah. there this morning. They must have the lowest player ratings there in any team ever to win a league match. So maybe just he's trying to keep it. them grounded, maybe or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> very hard. So like you, you, you mentioned earlier about you know we're expecting a reaction from Tyrone. Uh, it probably didn't come. You know, in the last couple of weeks, they conceded six goals. I think between the McKenna Cup and the Ross Common game. But that kind of looked more like the old Tyrone yesterday. Double scores win over Donegal, keeping them to eight points. Donegal had maybe one really good goal chance. Outside of that, it was really all Tyrone. Yeah, well, like I suppose the mood very different from last week. Um, Fergal Logan t- actually took us into the the dressing room to do his post match reaction after the Ros- Roscommon game, and you're just standing in a corner there, and it was Colin McShane and, and Brian Do who were there, were the last two to leave the dressing room, and just dark f- faces like thunder, really. And I would imagine that they were sort of scratching their heads a little bit because. You know, they had blown a, a winning position um, against Roscommon. They had been outscored 
I can't remember exactly what it was off the top of my head, but down the last 20 minutes in the Mechanic Cup final, they've been completely blown away by Derry. And I think there'll be a part of them going like, geez, where are we going here? And it felt very much to me like it was a hangover. It was the same, more the same from last year. Last year's All-Ireland defence that never got off the ground. It's just like whatever malaise it was, it crept over them. And I was doing a piece during the week and just saying that like if anything was going to rouse them, it was, it was the side of a Donegal jersey. And they've had a brilliant rivalry, kind of an edgy, edgy enough rivalry at times over the last five, ten years. And obviously they got it done. Now, part of that, I think, is is goes down to the Donegal side of things might have been a bit of a, a, a false read in that win over Kerry, um, kind of expecting Donegal to have their hands full to 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 stay in Division One this year. If I'm being honest, and that win over Kerry was surprised most people, it might even surprise Kerry themselves. Um, but no, much more like their own, like that sort of hard running, little bit of edge, lo- some lovely footballers as well. Like Darren McCurry energized them for a while when he came on against Ross Common. He looked like he was very good yesterday too. So like they have all the tools to own. That's that's the that's the the thing that makes them sort of interested and makes them it's kind of hard to figure out. Like there's no reason why they can't be right up at the very top of the table. Like you look at all the players they have and all the different options and the way they can play and and the different things they can do. But um they just um they didn't deliver in Ross Common but Yes, they look much more like what you'd expect from them. The yeah, two, the big thing yeah. as well was the two, um, you know, that that midfield pairing that won the All Ireland, Conkle Patrick and Brian Kennedy. Uh, like I remember, remember after the All Ireland final, thinking, you know, that they, they might be the most sort of old school, one dimensional midfield we'll see winning an All Ireland for a long time. And I think the full expectation was nearly that, you know, while all their planets aligned and they were the midfield that that Tyrone needed at that particular time to be carrying, then, um. To beat Mayo in the All Ireland final, um, that you know they, they weren't going to last the pace, but they were absolutely brilliant yesterday. And and like their mobility, I think, is something that maybe is a little bit more underappreciated because they are so strong in the air, they are so good at winning kickouts out around the middle of the pitch. And I think they gave them a really good platform when the two of them are going well. And 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 yes, they 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 at Donegal, they at them. Yeah, and the the platform in midfield meant that Colin McShane and Derek Hanavan were on loads of ball and they were always on the front foot as well and they did a lot of damage inside. Uh, Donegal, the other Division 1 game finished 17 points apiece. Mayo and Armagh, um, uh, kind of a nearly a summer-style game almost. The, the scoring would definitely suggest anyway. But Mayo got themselves in a really good position to get the two points here and probably be disappointed only coming away with one, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, Mayo like like moths to the flame when it comes to drama. Like it's just they just can't help themselves. Um, like I, w- I was watching it and you were saying like this is a really good win for Kevin McStay. And you're looking around, you all you could see was positives. Aidan O'Shea was actually very impressive for most of the game. A couple of turnovers laid on, but very very good. Um, a big huge influence on the game. You're there, like McStay has these boys exactly where he wants them, and then just slowly ticked and ticked. I think Mayo can feel very hard done by with the last three. I don't know if you saw it. Oh, it was bought. It was bought. Yeah, it looked it looked incredibly bought. soft to me. Now I have to say, it looked incredibly soft, and you could see the reaction from the everyone protests every decision, but every so often you can see a reaction. There was genuine bemusement there. So I think it was soft, but um, uh, like Mayo, I suppose now have have dug one out um, as they did the last day against uh, against uh, Galway, and now they've sort of probably left one behind them. If you're being honest, but an excellent game, brilliant, brilliant match, full of drama, full of intensity. Um, but definitely Mayo will feel like they should have got the two points out of it. Yeah, I saw Sorry. a lot of Mayo fan, fans kind of bemoaning their like game management later on, which is fair enough. Yeah, a bit of that, yeah. But the only thing about it, like looking at the Armagh team, 
it, it's it's far closer in championship strength than you would imagine. Like, okay, we don't know what Kevin McStay's championship team is going to be, but there's it, there's definitely more of an experimental air about the Mayo team. And the other thing is this: our Ma team have been kind of together and developing towards this <coughs> under management for the last decade, you know. Um, and even Karen Donaghy and Karen McKeever have been there for the last three or four years. And game management is something that you sort of gradually acquire. Whereas if you have a new manager, the second round of the league, you know, that's the extra one and two percent that you really kind of hone for when you come around to the championship. So I wouldn't be too worried about that from a Mayo point of view. I think when it comes down to the crunch, that's the sort of thing that Mayo will just need to fine tune. You know, the fact that they went to Armagh um, and played a team like that. Um, so close to, to their championship strength and ran up that score and put themselves into position. I would take as an overwhelming positive that the players that they're putting in are good enough for this level. And the O'Shea thing was really interesting because, you know, all through like the last couple of years, McStay and his column in the Irish Times and as a pundit for RTE, um, you could see that he had a fondness for Aidan O'Shea at full forward. And I think a lot of people do, but but it's a little bit different when you become the manager of the team yeah, and have to yeah. make the decision, you know. <laughs> Um, and I think that the, the thing that O'Shea has suffered from is that, you know, you come up against teams that offer so many different kinds of threats and it, theoretically O'Shea can solve them all. And I think he has suffered from that. Whereas if, you know, if you decide he's a full forward, you put him in a full forward um, and either that works or it doesn't. And I think that's what they're going to go with this year. I think he's probably at an age now as well where that might suit him too, because like besides being a big man, his hands are really, really good. You know, he's really good. You know, if you know, if we're saying that Mayo are going to kick the ball more in, well, you have to make sure that Ryan O'Donoghue and, and Conroy or Killian O'Connor or whoever's going to be in there has a decent outlet around them. So, like, as a first gambit, as an opening gambit for the Aiden O'Shea to full forward um, uh, experiment, I think, yes, they was um, a very successful one. Just one thing on Armagh, um, I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised to see them in an All-Ireland final this year. I think they are tracking really, uh, really well. And I'm just going to call this now. If they do win an All-Ireland in the next couple of years, I think Ethan Rafferty is going to be the footballer of the year because he's become more and more influential in each game. They've actually developed that role, the kind of the, the fly goalkeeper. They, they are the most advanced at it now because he's not just coming out for the sake of it. Sometimes when you see Began come out from his goal, you think, you know, what are you doing? You're just standing there recycling hand passes that anybody can do. But Rafferty knows exactly when to go. He can see the space. And I think they've really analysed that role. Um, and he's become a, like a really, really effective playmaker as goalkeeper. And I, I think he's nearly become our man's most important player over the last two years. It's funny. It's probably the instincts of an outfield player uh, and been able to spot gaps because he's obviously not a, he's not a natural goalkeeper and he's only moved there last year. So that's definitely one we'll, we'll follow closely. Uh, Connor, I know you were down in the Gaelic grounds yesterday. The dubs were on the road. I was chatting a few people down around there, said they brought a great, great crowd and fanfare to it. Uh, pretty dominant performance on the pitch by all accounts too. Yeah, I think Limerick were a little bit overawed by it really at the start because like that Dublin team wasn't as you know, they were 13 points up at half time and, and you know, on paper they shouldn't have been anywhere near that. Um Limerick lost Keane Sheehan, probably their best player at half time as well. Um, so things weren't going great. But they got a little period into the start of the second half. Um, you know, I suppose the big thing for Desi Farrell is finding players. I'm just I'm doing a piece for at some stage during the week and analyzing the number of players he's given debuts to. Um and like there's no like the, he's given seven debuts already this year in the league after two games. Last year he gave eleven, so he's he's definitely trying to accelerate the develop, development of the panel. But 
you know, if I showed you the list of players that Farrell has lost since he took over in 2020 versus the players that have come in, there's no doubting that the, there's a massive skew in the quality of the panel. Like, it, like it, it, it's it's not maintaining its level. So I suppose the question is whether, you know, there's enough residual strength in the in the squad to go on and, and win an All-Ireland because very few of those players who have come through onto the squad have actually kind of gotten through onto the starting 15 come championship time. Um, and that's the other big thing now is that, you know, there's, there's definitely 11 or 12 players in the Dublin squad who aren't too worried about their championship spot, which was never really the case when they were winning All-Irelands all around them. So, you know, that that's the really big thing for Dublin uh, now is which of these players can actually make a proper a proper claim for themselves. Because yesterday it was all Fenton in the first half and, and everything came off Conal Callan. And, you know, that's great, but we sort of, we, we knew that already. They have time is the only thing as well. Like, you know, you they will you know, regardless of what happens, you'd fully expect them to get promoted from Division 2 and have another, uh, another what is it, five games to, to do well, that. Well, they're, they're away to Cork and they're away to Derry. So, like, they've two, you know, they're, they're two big games. Nah, you'd be expecting them to take care of whatever, maybe Derry would be difficult, but you'd be expecting them to take care of, of Cork. Um, and as well as that, you'd fully expect them to get through uh, Leinster mm. without... Um, overly stressing themselves when everyone's back in harness and, and, and at a full flow. So, you know, that that gives them another couple of matches, another few another few weeks together to get them. But I think Connor's right, the, the, the core point he's making, that there has been a huge uh, departure of talent and experience and medals and everything. And trying to fill that, while, while he still has a brilliant core of players, trying to fill in the, the bits around the likes of Fenton, O'Callaghan, Kilkenny and these lads, James McCarthy, that's... Uh, that's, that's, that's the challenge for them. Yeah, I think like people have been warning of this in Dublin for a while, people who know this sort of scene. And I think there was a, there was definitely an image there when the 2011 team kind of morphed into the five-in-a-row team, you know, when the likes of Dare McConnelly and Paul Flynn and Bernard Brogan were replaced by Jack McCaffrey and Paul Mannion and Brian Fenton. I think people kind of got this image that maybe the, the Dublin conveyor belt um, it was just set up to, it, you know, produce these level of footballers in perpetuity. But... Um, you know, definitely over the last four or five years, the players that have come through are kind of, you know, they're low, but like they're, they're players, like really only in the last couple of years, Tom Lehiff and Larkin O'Dell um, and... Um, Bogler, probably. Uh, no, um, what's his name? Uh, from Whitehall, he was... Uh, Lee Gannon. Lee Gannon have come through to the starting 15, you know. So whereas in previous years, you had fellas like, you know, Murchin and Howard or when Fenton and John Small came through, they were straight into the first 15. So... Um, like Dublin are at a point now where you know that's going to reach uh, that's going to reach a bit of a critical mass. They're not there yet, and it might not yet even be Desi Farrell's problem because you know, like obviously they're coming down from a very very high base. They probably not too long ago had the strongest squad of any Gaelic football team that we've ever known. Um, and Jack McCaffrey and Paul Mannion have come back, so like they're definitely at a point now where they can hold their place among the elite. Um, and you know possibly, you know, theoretically anyway, pick up an All-Ireland in the next two or three years. But I think these weeks are vital because, um, you know, it's all well and good throwing players into the mix. Um, and I think it's interesting that Farrell is playing so many established players, you know, keeping Kieran Kilkenny in the team and Conal Callan and Brian Fenton in the team because they're the guys that make the team tick. You know, you, you don't want to put fellas in and say, OK, you run the show now. You know, these players have to be able to show that they can operate in conjunction with the players who are definitely going to start during the summer. But, um, you know, there aren't too many fellas that are making it obvious that they're going to not only, you know, contribute when it comes around to summer, but 
you know, it's the greatest cliche of all time. It goes back to Kenny in 2010, you know, the A versus B game and the intensity and that drove up the standards. And, you know, if, if you looked at an A versus B game now in Dublin, I'm not sure that it'd be anywhere near the same level of competitiveness as it was five years ago, even. And, you know, that's 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 definitely something that Dublin are trying to fix, given the number of players that, that Farrell has tried out so far. Connor, final word on uh, what we'd have to say was, would have been a big surprise, just the nature of the result. Finished Cork 2-14, Kildare 7 points in St. Connets Park in Newbridge. Like after Kildare, you'd have to say finishing with a bit of a flourish against the Dubs the week before in Crow Park and looking like they might get something out of the game. Like to lose, to get take a bit of a padding like that on their home, their home ground is a disaster really for their aspirations of trying to get back up to Division 1. Yeah, I don't think there's any way of putting a, a glass on it whatsoever. It's an absolutely disastrous result for Kildare because, you know, they're not at the stage of their development where they can just write off games like that and say, oh, well, you know, everybody has faith that we're going to get it right for summer. You know, they, they'll, like, they look pretty good against Dublin the previous week, but um, I think, you know, we probably nearly need to revisit that performance and, and say, well, how good were Dublin actually for Kildare to be at that? And Cork wilted against Cork the previous week. Or Cork wilted against me the previous week at home in Park of Kiev and they were opened up, you know, over and over and over again. And they looked almost naive at times in that game. And they just blew Kildare off the park that week, last weekend. So um, I suppose Kildare, a team that we always have this perception of being, you know, perpetually brittle. You know, they're always on the, they're never too far away from the whole thing becoming very negative off the basis of a bad result and a bad performance. And that was both yesterday. And unless they turn things around very, very quickly, I think, you know, the league is in danger of getting away from them because honestly, I can't see how they're going to get promoted. And as we know in Division 2, you know, there's going to be at least two teams. There could be as many as four teams that don't make this year's All-Ireland. So, um, you know, it, it, the stakes are incredibly high. Yeah, it turns, it's, it's pressure now, isn't it? Like, you know, you lose two, you know, you can lose one, you lose two, there's full-on pressure on now. And Kildare, like, a, such a conundrum sometimes. You look at them and you think, oh, yeah, he's good, he's talented, he'll kick scores, he'll do. And, you know, physically, you see them coming out, they look like they're in great shape. And then, to, but you always feel like there's something like that in them, a kind of a no-show performance, which is kind of surprising under the current management. I thought maybe that would be what it could bring, that sort of level of consistency. But like throughout the years and throughout teams and throughout managers, it's kind of eluded them. Even go back to when Jack O'Connor was in charge of them and the All-Ireland did, did Meade score four goals against him in the second five, half or yeah, three goals, five, five yeah, in the five, second yeah. half or that day and just completely turned the game on its head. And then the year out, the, the year after come out and give Meade a good beating uh, uh, to get promotion I think that game was like the following season so it's just so hard to nail down it must be very frustrating for Kildare people to be to be following their team at the minute knowing, just not knowing what they're going to get in a given day and they've a lot of the raw materials you know like if you take those players in isolation and stack up their level of quality like there's the makings of a team there there really is especially with Kevin Feely back you know Kevin Feely and Daniel Finn are really the two outstanding players in that Kildare team that possess all the talents but you know the next level of guys that are in there particularly some of the inside forwards um, like th- there's an awful lot to work with there but uh, you know for most counties you could na- nearly write off a bit of a blip like that in the league but for Kildare it, it, they just you know I think they seem a little bit brittle and any of the goodwill that they got from a decent performance the previous week in Cole Park is well and truly gone now Thanks, Connor, and thanks to Dunica and John Milan also for joining us on this week's episode of The Throw-In. 
Myself and Will will be back next Monday for all your GA discussion and debate. And don't forget to listen and follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.